0: welcome to sober sisters talk i'm mg and i'm elizabeth pudwell welcome the speaker series happens once a month this will be part of
1: our weekly zoom meeting that happens every friday night if you would like to be a part of that meeting you have to be female and send us an email at sober Talk at gmail.com
0: if you would like to tell your story please reach out to sober Talk at gmail.com we want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email Talk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. For our next podcast, there's a little bit of background noise, but bear with us. It's a lovely story, so hang in there. Thank you.
1: Elizabeth, I'm a Sex and Love Addict in Recovery, and so happy to be here. And um, I met this woman, I don't even know, maybe a couple of years ago, we were out on a patio. And we were having um, dinner, and... Um, It was probably about this time of year because in the middle of the summer, most people here in Houston don't do that because it's too freaking hot. (laughs) But we were sitting outside and I was listening to her and and, um, she was having some exchanges with other women that were there at the dinner. And then later um, she started coming to this meeting and had this sort of um, almost like a mathematical approach to her sobriety and how she works it and she's um she never really gets really emotional or cries or you know gets it's a lot of or expresses sadness but she just keeps working it and I have an intent an intense admiration for women who do that period I don't care how you do it but she keeps working it and in the last year I've seen a huge amount of progress from her and I can't wait
2: to hear her entire story I never have so welcome hi everyone my name is SW I'm gratefully recovering from intimacy avoidance emotional anorexia and codependency I'm also another child of a dysfunctional family to me it means that I have learned that I stuff my feelings since I was since uh, I was a child and I have lost uh, the ability to feel or express my feelings because it has so much to do so. Uh, I have about 18 months in this fellowship and it's my honor to speak and be of service today. I was grateful to um, uh, see everyone here and also um, be uh, be able to share my experience uh, since I joined this fellowship. I have been a recurring comer of this Augustine fellowship during the pandemic because my therapist asked me to check this out after having four months of therapy sessions Uh, today i'm more active in aca but uh, the support from this fellowship was the key for me to accept that i am uh, from a dysfunctional family regardless of the fact that my mom and dad they have been married for 42 years still i have considered this fellowship as my home group my original goal of seeing this particular therapist was to get more clarity in decision making because i was not able to stay objective and uh, practice uh, detachment from emotions when being in this romantic relationship uh, with my boyfriend at that time. I felt like I felt so bad, and nothing I did could make him happy. I assumed going to this fellowship was an assignment um, as part of the assignment of the therapy sessions. Although later I realized that I was it was a suggestion from him only, and I. Well, for me, I always like to meet more new people and explore new ideas. So as a compulsive validation seeker, there is actually no emotional difficulty to add more people related activities on my to do list. Uh, My romantic relationship did not last during the pandemic. And uh, during that time, uh, that's the time that I hit my bottom. And uh, that was the first time in all of my relationship that i did not feel relieved and free again and uh it was uh the breakup part was surely not emotionally easy but this one was very different from the other ones i was so anxious i felt so frustrated with myself on why i had these bad feelings similar to that time meaning that that time was i felt very bad when my brother moved away to join his wife uh in my mind I was not able to accept that I could not work harder to change the past or change the outcome. So I feel so inadequate and so regretful that I could not forgive myself. So besides being frustrated and and sad, I was not able to focus the most exciting thing in my world, the challenges at my workplace. I felt so scared at that time because I may be getting into the early phase of depression. So even without knowing much about this fellowship at that time, I know that, well, I just need some help. So from my own experience, usually when I work out a lot and talk to others, and it will boost up my mood in general. So uh, as a go-getter, I get on the steps immediately. So in a month, I feel much better as I work hard on something that's new to me. And then uh, the recovery journey continues, and I have more understanding about myself and my the core compulsive behaviors. And I discovered that indeed, this issue of needing to work and doing more things to feel good is a much bigger self-esteem problem than just that breakup or getting over that breakup. Uh, looking Looking back, my brain was wired so incorrectly. I believe that I must not be good enough when others don't reciprocate. So I need to work harder to be better to be interesting, to be educated, to explore new things in order to get others to like and appreciate me. So uh, now you know why I am here. Uh, I want to talk about more about my childhood, the listeners, so that the listeners can understand how my full sense of myself and the constant need of external validation will develop. I was born and raised in Hong Kong until I was 18. In general, Hong Kong people, have a very, very fast pace in life. So since I was young, both of my, my parents taught me that in order to keep um, with keep up with others and fit in, I have to walk fast, I have to speak fast, work fast, basically I live fast and don't waste time to look back, always look forward. And my, the, the motto in my family is time is money, and then second, efficiency is the key to success, and then talk, in third, talking about feelings is a waste of time, don't talk, Don't share until there's a big problem to solve. Don't bring any small problems to the table because you need to deal with those on your own. Otherwise, you must be stupid. So my parents have uh, almost never tell any uh, imaginative stories. They only describe facts, true stories, uh, very analytical-minded people. And uh, since I was young, my creativity was totally suppressed. Because creating drawings, that's what I really like, Um, are not considered to be efficient work. So, and uh, my mom and dad were both very busy and exceptionally hardworking since they were young. Uh, They both firmly believe that the best love to give to the kids is to get them the highest education. So that my brother and I will have a comfortable life without financial stress. Their pain was to earn enough, or their plan is to earn enough to support us until we finish our doctoral degree, um, in the, either in US or UK, without getting any school loans. From my own world, I believe that this childcare plan was very stressful for them. They had to earn and save about four times more than an average family in Hong Kong in order to achieve this goal. They are uh, having really good intention as good parents. I totally believe that but they did not take time from work unless it's sickness-related since I was born. I can't even remember if my mom even took paternity leave, but I know that I was in daycare as soon as I hit the minimum age requirement. Both of my parents pursued their master's degrees when working full-time when I was very young, and my mom, she has two side hobbies on top of her two teaching jobs and being a caregiver of both of her uh, parents. She likes to help others to the point that she's always tired when she's home or when she's awake, she will be researching on which stock to invest, and she's always on the phone. She also likes to help others arrange funerals and events and try to coordinate with her many other friends to get the best deals for funerals or for events or travel plans. When I heard her speaking on the phone or even at funerals, she was always busy, making sure that everyone was all right, everyone was situated, and never show any sadness. Uh, my mom and dad would also take me to church on Sundays because that's her place to get free child care for a few hours, socialize, meet more people to take on more work than she could ever handle. And as a result, uh, more housework was taken care of by my dad, and uh, he would complain to me a lot about my mom's over-scheduling behaviors. And on the other side, my dad also had over-scheduling behaviors as well. Uh, He was busy with his own research projects and take care of the administrative part of um, child care. Unlike my mom, my dad rarely brought me to see his friends. And if he did, he would say something like, culturally uh, seen as combo, Um, For example, my daughter, she's stupid and she's not good enough and anything in front of me. uh, When others actually was praising me that, hey, I have grown so much or I behave well. So um, I did not feel like I get my parents approval since I was young. Uh, And uh, because of both of my parents, they overschedule themselves. And they also need to take care of my brother who's 14 months younger than me. I did not get much physical affection and emotional connection with my parents when I was young. My mom told me a story, quote funny, about not me not being uh, speak, able to speak uh, until I turned two years old. And uh, my aunt uh, started being concerned, so my parents at that time, before I was two years old, uh, they told me to see a specialist. The specialist told them, I don't have a delayed development problem but they need to take time and speak to me more. And they did. And my first word was not only a word, but almost a sentence. This true story of mine sounds really cute, but that also shows how much I was being neglected. My mom and dad also hate child screaming and crying. My dad's very sensitive to high pitch. And my mom, she has a very unpredictable temper uh, because... I believe that uh, she's lacking sleep all the time. So when my brother and I cried when, when we were young to express our needs, uh, we would not get what we asked for, but physical punishment. Because of expressing negative emotions was not safe to do so. Since I was young, probably around five to six years old, I rarely cry in front of my parents. Crying is, for me, is always a shameful behavior and I would not do that unless I was by myself if possible. Still being a very active kid, like to run around and play with other kids, Uh, I felt a lot. So every time when I experienced physical pain, I would force myself to laugh and to numb that painful feeling. And I taught the same to my brother and I was really proud of that. And now for sure, I know that it's not healthy. Besides self-learning to numb my painful feelings, I was also told that I was a mistake, um, indirectly. I can't remember how old I was, but my mom told me that both of my parents thought that I was a boy until the day that I was born. They already prepared a boy name for me, but once I was born, they have to get a girl name immediately for the birth certificate. So they got my name from the phone book in the hospital. And sadly, my English name on my birth certificate was spelled incorrectly. Uh, still today, I'm, I'm grateful that at least my Chinese name was written in correct characters. Uh, but for the longest time, I just felt like I was a disaster for them because they were unprepared for, uh, for dealing with me as a girl. And my brother was born after 14 months. My parents would tease each other in front of me saying that if I am a boy, they would not change plans to have my brother. My parents are both very blunt people and have no filters when they talk. I heard when I was young, I had a long lasting effect. Um, I heard that when I was young, when I have a long lasting, that has a long lasting effect on my self esteem and sexuality. I used to wear oversized clothes and dress like a boy because I did not like my body and how I look i stopped getting taller after i hit five eight and a half and then my dad showed his disappointment and told me that i should have been at least five ten if i eat more and debate about it every time when he brought it up uh when i was becoming a teenager because i was the tallest girl among the whole class of 120 people that year and actually i have been the tallest girl in the class for about at least five years. And I could not understand why he thought that I still need to be taller to be acceptable to him. It hurts so much that uh even my physical appearance that I could never change again. Um that uh I know that there are other ways but I just at that time I believed that yeah it's you know that that's my height. I can change that. And um and I felt very, very rejected. So even up till today, I still wear two and a half to three inches of heels as much as I can because that gives me a sense of comfort when I present myself as 5'11", when, I, when I'm facing other people. Other than uh, the recognitions and achievements, the main thing that I feel proud of myself is been uh, my brother's success. I perceive that that's the life mission for my parents They praise me when I take care of my brother and my under and my outstanding academic results and sometimes uh, sports achievements. I was not interested in gaining knowledge, but my motivation for me uh, was fear based um, to study to get good grades. I did not know how to enjoy activities and chill because all the sports activities that considered to be my hobbies, always about okay i'm going to break my personal record so i can get more medals and uh, i'm also very uh addicted to the excitement when i got another recognition and gradually gradually this became a need for me to feel that i'm good enough after sharing about my childhood my upbringing and next i want to share what i learned about myself through this recovery journey uh, i discovered that When it comes to romantic relationships, I was always having an exit plan from day one because I could not trust anyone uh would like to stay with me for long. I'm in general a good listener unless I'm very anxious because when I let others talk about themselves, they do not get to know me. Through working on the steps, my sponsor helped me realize that I had a habit of starting another relationship before ending the current one because I didn't want to hurt his feelings So I would avoid an honest conversation in order to grow or to uh, end the relationship by a conversation. Because of learning from my mom since I was young, I never have trouble in making new friends, meeting new colleagues or starting a relationship. My problem is choosing what relationship to start with and maintaining loving and intimate relationships. I was not able to speak up for myself I tend to expect others to know and provide what i need and like my parents i did not negotiate when there's a conflict i avoided, it and if the pain and fears became intolerable i quit the relationship through the work here i've been much more willing to risk the chance of dealing with a conflict by speaking up for myself at times i was not learning um enough yet to advocate for myself with kindness and gentleness and i believe that this is about progress and not perfection Uh, from daily practice of writing down a daily inventory reflection and meditation and check-in calls with others i now have choose to manage my initial desire once i get triggered i learned to question and challenge my automatic uh, negative thoughts i became more open to allow god to guide my work and my healing and uh, another pattern i discovered through working on these steps was that i was an avoidant and uh, the emotional behaviors in romantic relationship had been so much severe after my brother moved away um yeah so working on the steps in this program here i realized that in my mind being with my brother is and it was the safest place in this world as for the relationship with my brother, we had lots of shared hobbies and interests. We went to the same kindergarten, same schools, and the same universities. And one time we actually worked in the same place and also the same department because we work in the same field. We spent so much time together, even uh, after we both passed 25, and even when each of us was in a dating relationship. So uh, thinking about of uh, looking back thinking about like how much time I spent with my brother and I was actually unavailable and I was uh, I could not be in, emotionally intimate with any persons I was dating and I justified that I need to take care of my brother and I had no time to deal with this quote, quote needy man. As a result, most of my ex-boyfriends, uh, they were very ambitious in their career and or education or over-consuming themselves in charity uh, activities. And um, and uh, I, I had to admit that in the past, I just took their presence to run my own perfect shows, to show up as a happy couple in bunch of others, and there's no true intimacy between us. I also like to work or work on my own projects during holidays because of the, the, the shame I felt like, oh, I need to be productive when all others were taking a break so I can get ahead. And at least I'm not behind after the holidays. And after my brother moved away, I signed up to participate in more sports events, charity work, get more work, and try, and get, try to get on days between um, the work or social events during that time. Uh, doing something that I could in- intellectualize was much better than dealing with my problem of not wanting to feel the pain, even when the solution is actually really simple. But yeah, and the solution is very difficult to accept and go through. I had two long-term relationships after I lived without my brother being around. The first one, I could not accept the marriage proposal after dating with intention for two and a half years. And even after both premarital counseling and individual counseling, because of my shame, my body was so afraid of not being good enough to be a wife and a mother. I lost about 10 pounds within a month and I threw up about night. So that's the end of that relationship. And the second one seemed totally opposite, but the gradual dysfunction was still caused by the same problem. The enmeshment and constant fear of not being good enough. And, um, the end of that relationship led me to this fellowship and it's truly a blessing uh, and indeed he's the replacement of my relationship with my brother I was emotionally dependent on him to give me that sense of safety and when he and I were together we created my younger self and the relationship with my parents that I could show off my brother to my parents hey look my brother is happy and does his work really well. So meaning that I'm a perfect sister and so I deserve your love right now. Uh, That was very, very uh, dysfunctional thinking on my end. Looking back, I'm very, very thankful for myself to do this difficult work to heal and on the journey of healing the childhood trauma so that today I can catch myself when I attempt to be very busy or rely on another person's validation to feel good enough. And being willing and then be able to surrender to God so that I can live in serenity by letting go. I would uh, like to switch gears to talk about my sponsor-sponsor relationships that I have had so far. Because uh, in this journey, having a sponsor is a very important part of this, uh, this growth process. The sponsor-sponsor relationship was my practice ground to learn how to maintain healthy relationships. My journey was not as smooth as I first expected. I got let go by two sponsors. Uh, first one, after almost three months in this fellowship, my first sponsor told me that she could not help me anymore. I felt very hurt and disappointed during that time because I worked very, very hard each day to get to step six in less than, in less than three months. I believe that I demonstrate extraordinary honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to her and also others. And uh, with more and more recovery, I was able to accept that the reality is she did not want to be my sponsor anymore when I did not do the one of the most important things on the list about what we agreed that I would not do. Today, I'm grateful that she was telling me the truth that she did not know how to help she did not know how to help me, period, and that was nothing to do whether I married or not. It has nothing to do how hard I worked on this um journey or not. The end of this sponsor sponsor relationship helped me understand my patterns and got better. I was able to trust God that He will provide, and I accepted that the part of my recovery story. And there's no shame about that her choice of not being my sponsor does not meaning that um, does not mean that i am a bad human being and the period was when i was not having a sponsor i actually pushed myself even more uh, into the program and i grow a lot more because i was acting as if i was self-sponsoring i went to at least one meeting each day but on average two a day i share i start extending my recovery networks those to those in East Coast and also in West Coast. I did three to four phone calls with ladies from different states each day, observed carefully on different meetings format by group conscience, took surveys positions like being a timer or being a reader, and I stayed in the after-meeting fellowship to listen to newcomers questions and share my experience. I got my second sponsor from the East Coast within a month. And as compared to my interaction with my first sponsor, I became much more honest about the list of the things that I am willing to do and what I want from this journey. This was the first time I finally felt like this is my recovery journey. And I was not, uh, this was the first time that I felt like I was not working on the steps just because someone whom I respect tells me that's good for me. She agreed. And she told me to step eight. It was a very peaceful journey uh, when I held uh, the belief that providing clarity to her is kindness. Uh, in about two months, she told me that some of my inventory items trigger her own trauma to the extent that affect her emotional well-being. So she decided to stop sponsoring me. The blessing from this sweet lady is that. She wrote me a really, really thoughtful email at that time when she ended the sponsorship. That's so much love from her to care about a stranger like me. She told me that there was hope for me, although I was still in an unclear stage. And she suggested me to restart with step one with my next sponsor. I was at peace because of her love and also God's guidance. From this uh, uh, breakup with my sponsor, uh, I grew more trust in God that there's a better way and I'm getting to one step closer uh, each day as long as I'm not giving up myself. I met my next sponsor uh, who's living in West Coast when we first met in an East Coast meeting. I was really glad to know about her and her life story. I did not know what it was during that time and later I realized that I have trouble with people uh who have an authoritative voice due to my childhood trauma my current sponsor i could be even more honest and be open-minded her voice uh to me is not triggering and uh my brain uh hardly would associate her voice to uh being judged at times when i think of her her and her guidance tears will drop because that's and the unconditional love i had no experience enough uh, with my parents I was happy to share with my day with her and she helped me get through some very tough dramatic moments my sponsor helped me create a habit of taking a daily inventory and meditation and um, and also uh, another name is called conscious contact every day so now I can see the world differently because I can breathe in God and allow the spirit to come in and help me see the truth and she also helped me be humble and take a closer look at the 12 traditions. I'm more grateful to learn from this woman of wisdom by witnessing a lady who truly acts to respect equality, equity, and humbly serve others, and does her best to raise her kids and has exceptionally high emotional intelligence. She does not have a research background, but she can explain things in the most analytical way so that I can understand what she's talking about. This part of our journey makes me cry a little bit every time. Last year, around the same time, I called her to check in and she told me that she was in the hospital. And I was at that time, I was quite self assaulted. And um, I thought that she's doing um, the H&I hospital visitation work around 10 p.m. her time at night. And near the end of the phone call, I finally realized that she was in a car accident, but she picked up my phone call when I called her. I was so afraid, worried, and I did not have any word after she told me about that. And uh, and she she always had that very sweet, calm voice. And she told me that I'm passed over when all these checks and exams will be done. It's better to be observed instead of keep thinking about... What I could not control, that's what she told me. And this event has been a very powerful, life changing moment to me. That is so much to love that a person can give to another person. And I never thought that I would deserve that. And today I offer the same to all of my sponsees. Feel free to call me anytime, any day. It's my responsibility to choose whether I take the call at that moment or not. But if I get a voicemail, I will get back to you. Uh, my sponsor told me to finish the 12 steps and then I got to the next phase to learn how to slow down and to deal with the compulsive need of being busy all the time with all the activities, work and social events. So I could allow myself to feel the childhood pain and uh, that I have avoided to deal with um, even after the completion of the first round of these 12 steps. I got on the next round of the 12 steps with my current sponsor almost right after the first round, she did not push me at all during the first time. Uh, as I look back, it was very possible that she already know that I need more healing work, but she set a great example of letting go. She let me discover that myself. It took me a while to get off from the um, from that relationship addiction cycle. Focus on letting myself feel, and then my child events start popping up here and there. And then I have been developing um, self value, self love, self care, self affirmation on another level. Still, throughout this child trauma healing process, I get sick a lot. Even though I took more time, I've been taking more time off to rest. The emotional experience has been so intense for me, even even though my brain has not been catching up yet, but my body has been keeping the score. Lately, I've been dealing with um, nausea, dizziness, that it it was not being able to uh, explain by uh, the doctors and specialists and physical therapists. It's not a very pleasant experience, to be less productive, but I'm grateful that the experience has been um, helping me to let go my fears of not being able to take care of myself and uh, the blessing from that is also that I no longer take my partner or my boyfriend to be responsible when i when i'm sick. Uh, the reward from this journey is totally worth the hard work in my you know from my own experience. my relationship with my family has has been improving. And uh, I'm so excited to see my family uh, next year. And uh, I'm, I'm even more satisfied with my career and community work, uh, the giving back work by working less and uh, working on more meaningful activities in my, uh, in, uh, from my own perspective. My friendships have been becoming more dynamic, and I allow new opportunities and learn not to hold on to friendships just because of my fears. Um, another great thing that I have been uh, really uh, be, really happy with myself and my growth is I recently celebrated uh, my boyfriend's birthday. Uh, I initiated a conversation with him on what he likes to do, and I'm thankful for his willingness to do his part. It took both of us a while to build trust and intimacy. I was able to listen with an open mindset and for him to trust me that he can express what he wants and trust me that he does not need to give up all of his ideas when I don't like what he likes. He invited me to meet his new friends and friends of his friends. I met and uh, talked to probably about more than 30 or 40 new friends within two days, excluding people that I did not get a chance to talk to. For those who know me, I I have no uh, any, um, I am not shy of meeting new people and um, and friends, and because my mom used to just talk me everywhere to meet new people when I was young. Um, and as an intimacy avoidant, indeed it's actually much easier for me to talk to a lot of new people rather than several ones I know. However, in the past, I would feel very rejected when we attend events together, and he was focusing on interacting with others, but not me. So, uh, because subconsciously, I saw him as if I was that little girl with my mom and that little girl was craving the attention from my mom when she's busy with others. This time, I'm so, so proud of myself. I bookended and checked in with my sponsor and several other sober sisters so that I could focus on being there for him and be aware of not making things about me during one of the celebration events, I was able to express my needs and and I told him that, hey, I'm so hungry and I need to find a place nearby and get something to eat. I love you and I will be back. And I no longer need to convince myself that it's not his responsibility to solve my hunger problem. And now it have becoming very natural for me to learn to be an adult, to take responsibility, to take care of myself. Um, I have one of the most amazing times this year when I got to know more about his new friends and his friends of friends. I'm very grateful for the learnings and growth I got from this journey, trusting God and myself that I'm good enough as a human being. I'm accepting my, human, my humanity and God has already given me everything. I need to take care of myself. Uh, this is a slow but joyful process. Today is much easier for me to let go of assumptions and expectations and not to create my own chaos in my mind now i'm more able to challenge my negative thinking before jumping into conclusions and i'm also learning to believe that most decisions by others have nothing to do with me and uh and how other and other person think about me i share these details because the progress of growth is not linear from my experience uh but the progress can be seen through little victories during daily life. I can't explain in words that now I can see how others are experiencing the joy of life when I can let go of my expectations on them. And my service commitment here has been, um, I hope that has been helping others to make decisions to live life in an authentic way uh, without the need of uh, the emotional dependency and or chemical dependency. Uh, That's all I have today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me speak here.
0: That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.